Greetings. I am X51. You are listening to the Pool Templeton's podcast with your hosts, Vince and David Price. Were I capable of feeling such things, these flashbacks would make me sick. Proceed with question. <laughs> Okay out there at Marvelland, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. Hey, who made you a disc jockey, Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby. By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a bald-headed. Oh, you heard the man. And if you're not familiar with the work of those two gentlemen, then, brother, you came to the right place, because that was none other than Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, the architects of the Marvel Universe. This is the Bullpen Bulletins Podcast, a celebration of all things Marvel. My name is Vince B., and I'm joined with my brother from another mother, the uh, self-titled Man of a Thousand Podcasts, and I hope to God that this is the last one, uh, Mr. David Price. Hey, everybody. How you doing, Vince? I'm doing fine. Bullpen Bulletins was designed as a companion podcast to Sean Whelan and Jim Segulin's excellent Raging Bullets. Now, where Jim and Sean focus on the work of the Distinguished Competition, David and I will be looking primarily at the output from the House of Ideas. And there's a lot of things uh, we could talk about in terms of Marvel. I mean, we're going to focus primarily on the comic books, but uh, we can go off in a million different tangents. We could talk about the animation, the movies, such as they are, uh, which are finally getting very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've 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 been good for a while, and they're and and they keep they keep getting better and better. I mean, even even the uh, what I was hesitant to even consider the uh, the Ghost Rider trailer looks lo- looks really good. I didn't like the look of the bike when I first saw it, but it's growing on me a little bit. Okay. Yeah, the road got a little rocky, I think, with the Punisher movie, but it seems to be. Uh, and I did enjoy that one. Well, you would. Um, <laughs> uh, back to uh, what we can talk about. Yes, we. I mean, I can talk about Jack Kirby for three hours. This is true. This is, but and although before we do get into some heavy detail about the king, uh, why don't um, why don't we just let everybody know who we are? Excellent idea, David. Um, well, I'm from Pennsylvania, birthplace of the great CGS, keystone of the podcast community. Um, I'm an illustrator by trade, father of three kids, two girls and a boy, none of them which are old enough to appreciate comic books yet, but as soon as they are, <laughs> brother, they're going to they're gonna be in for a shock. <laughs> you bet. Um, David? Oh, uh, I live in uh, Putnam County, New York, um, which is um, real close to Westchester County, which is, of course, where uh, the School for Gifted Youngsters is. The um, I work at a community college in the IT department, and uh, married with no kids, but uh, but but 
quite a few pets, so uh, that that takes. And you know what? I'm I really don't want any kids because I enjoy being the uh, be, being the kid in the house. So um, I, I think I have that uh, that position well well uh, well in hand. Kid at heart. That's right. Now, David and I first met face to face at the recording for the 100th episode of Comic Geek Speak. I mean, we were friendly online in the forums before that, but that was the first time we met. And uh, I guess we hit it off. He didn't punch me or anything, so that's, that's a good... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and, and you, uh, you, you obeyed the, uh, the restraining order. That's right. That's right. And uh, from there, we uh, continued to pal around online. You know, I'd, I'd talk to David two, three times a week on Skype, and um, then... We had the uh, opportunity to go to the Wizard World um, Chicago convention, and uh, that is where the idea for this podcast came. So yeah, we'll we'll let you know where you can send any any uh, any hate mail, any bomb threats, uh, flowers and cards and and nice things can can be sent to us. But anything, uh, any, anybody that wants anything to complain about, will. Uh, We'll get you the right address for that. Yeah, send all hate mail to uh, Around Comics. Uh, they'll take care of it. They'll forward it to the appropriate people. That's right. Yeah. So it just seemed like a natural thing for David and I to get together uh, to do this because, I mean, like I said, we've wasted more than enough hours on Skype talking about comic books. So we figured, hey, let's do something with that time and try and produce something of value, which I hope this podcast will be. Yeah, we do want to... Um, you know, there's... There's a lot of Marvel comics out there, and um, you know, if uh, if someone's unsure as to uh, you know what what might interest them, if they're uh, if they're not too keen on the um, how many times, or if they if they're not aware of how many times you know Jean Grey died, or uh, or whether or not um, it's a uh, it's a good idea that uh, Bucky's been brought back, we'll uh, you know we'll Get you on the right path, hopefully. So, uh, I hear, uh, by the garbage dump, um, we're gonna get a new podcast. Kinda like Raging Bullets is for DC, and we got one coming at us that's for Marvel. Maybe a weekly podcast, maybe twice a week, I'm not sure, but uh, the real nightmare scenario is it's going to be hosted by Vince B. and David. That's right, David, the man of a thousand podcasts. Well, let's just make it a thousand and one. You know, David, the guy that sounds like a, a police detective, a hard cigar-smoking police detective. Yeah, that David. And Vince, ooh, Man, I, I can only imagine how uh, this is going to be. I mean, if you read his posts, you walk away feeling like you just shit your pants. So, uh, I hope you're ready. I mean, as a uh, as a community of comic fans, I, I hope you're uh, you're prepared. You know, it's going to be like walking in a uh, a room with a dead body. I'm going to look, I'm going to tune in, I'm going to be there every, every show, I'll be listening, crying, anyway, 
That's my beef. Um, one of uh, Chris Neesman's favorite words in describing the comic industry is cyclical. You know, creativity has a way of ebbing and flowing with the time. And there was a, a time recently when Marvel was not exactly, you know, going gangbusters with the books. But now they seem to be on the upswing. Every uh, title I've been reading the past uh, six to eight months has been excellent. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, there's one title that really sticks out in my mind is something that I'm not overly thrilled with I but I might not have had um, high hopes from the get-go but uh, but other than other than this one particular title everything that uh, everything that I'm plunking down my hard-earned money for as far as uh, coming out of Marvel has been uh, has been really really they've all been swinging for the fences each time exactly I'm, I'm really enjoying their output now and uh, speaking of Marvel's output David um what was the first book to hook you into Marvel, the um, well, I think my favorite, the character I've associated Marvel with is probably the same one that many comic fans are aware of, and that, and that's and that's Spider-Man, and and um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember where I first came across the red and blue clad fellow but I just uh, even though it was Spider-Man that I wanted to read about the first one of the first um, the first comic book I remember seeing on the newsstand that I uh, that I just that I just had to have for whatever reason this this this, this cover just struck me was uh, was was years ago Marvel did uh, comic book adaptations of movies they had Tarzan, they had Return of the Jedi they had uh, they had a lot of Marvel movie adaptations and one of them was uh, was Blade Runner the Harrison Ford vehicle and this was the second issue of a two part adaptation and it was the Al Williamson art I think on the cover and on the inside and it's funny I'm, I'm like I don't know they ate Ten years old, and and I'm reading a comic book that's adapted from an R-rated movie, and, and and I look back now and I chuckle, but at the time I was just I was soaking up and, and soaking up this world, and and I just I I loved every page. Uh, but before that, as far that's the first comic that I remember saying I got to have this by the cover alone. Before that, though, I um, when I lived in Arizona. There was a time when I was I was getting a subscription to Amazing Spider-Man, and this was this was right around this was 1981 because a lot of those issues by uh, John Romita Jr. as far as as the pencils go, um, this is was, uh, this was around the time where you saw Hydro Man and uh, Spidey had a couple of battles with the Wizard. Um, this is before the two-part juggernaut story with, you know, to stop the unstoppable foe, but the, um, this was like right around 210, 212, and for some reason I was getting a subscription to this Marvel comic, and, and I loved it, and I may not have been aware as far as the companies go, but I, I knew there was something about Marvel, whether it was the main character was was based in New York, which is where I grew up, and, and after I moved out of 
got after I left Arizona and I was in Massachusetts for a year, which is where my grandfather bought me my comic. The uh, after that I moved back to New York, so it was nice being familiar, being in an area where these characters actually existed. Um, so it's just been, you know, I've I've always had a, a love affair with Marvel. I enjoy comic books as a whole, but for some reason Marvel got their hooks into me early, and uh, and it really just hasn't let go. Fleshy one designate Bruce Rosenberger. Hey guys, um, really looking forward to listening to this first episode. Been hearing about it for long enough, so uh, Vince, you know, I'm sorry. You know, you got David to work with, but hey, what can I say? You know, we, we've all got our uh, crosses to bear. You guys talking about Marvel Comics, I think that'll, that'll be a nice, uh, you know, fill for uh, some of the other podcasts that I do listen to. So, and uh, seriously, though, I really like, uh, you know, listening to both you guys talk, so I'm really looking forward to it. Speaking of the uh, Spider-Man, uh, I was never one to subscribe to comics, I'd always pick them off on the newsstand, and although it wasn't my first Marvel comic, um, the uh, Spidey Super Stories made a big impact on me as a, as a kid because, um, you know, you that was the the routine. You'd go to school, come home, and the Electric Company would be on. Right, and, and you, were I, too old, you were you were too old for Sesame Street by this time. Right, and and back then there was no cable. I mean, you had four right. four channels, and you had to take what you can get. It was either watch, you know, the after mo- afternoon movie, which not something that's going to attract kids, game shows, or public television. And I, I would tune into the electric company, and one day, Spider Man showed up, and I was like, "What in the heck is this?" You know, I I really don't think the powers that be at Marvel knew how much influence that segment was going to have. On children because they designed it to look exactly like a comic book, and he never talked. Right. Well, he didn't have to. You know, <laughs> he was Spider Man. But I remember <laughs> I would I would run to the newsstand to to get my Spidey Super Stories every month, and um, I had a nice run of it, and then I missed one. Either it didn't wasn't delivered to the newsstand, or you know someone got it before me. But I, I had a gap in that run, <sighs> and and so I said to my mother. You know what? Pony up because this is not happening again. I, you know, when you're a, a comic book collector at a young age and and you miss one, it's traumatic. Yes, it is. At least for me. So um, I subscribed to the Spidey Super Stories. That was my one and only subscription to Marvel Comics. That's cool. And, and you know, later on, um, I'm trying to remember what my subscription was to, but. I think my father decided to get a subscription for me and my brother, and I don't know why, but my brother was subscribed to Uncanny X-Men, and I ended up loving those issues because this was right when Paul Smith was doing the art and 175 where he split the book with John Romita Jr., so it was was not all of Paul Smith's run, but the end of it, and then leading into Ramita Jr.'s run, and um, and those were some those were some good stories. I I don't I don't have a subscription to them now, but um, like like you said about missing an issue, if if I'd I'd want one, if uh, I'd want a subscription, if if I uh, if there was 
a lot of worry about me missing something. And then again, there are no newsstands anymore. Oh, this is true. Might as well not be. Um, in a sense, we do have subscriptions with, uh, you know, our local comic shops and, and through mail order companies. That's a, a kind of subscription, but it, right. it, it's not the same as, as uh, running home from school and finding that brown paper wrapper in the mailbox and you know good god i got another comic it's awesome (laughs) yeah hello this is uh tom carries from around comics i'm going to tell you a joke Uh, a man walks into a bar bartender is a very old Chinese man. He says, Hello, welcome to my bar. What would you like? And the man goes, I'd like a stoli with a twist. And the old bartender goes, All right, there's four little piggies. And that's it. Comedy goals. <laughs> I don't have anything else. You can stop recording me now. <laughs> Tom Kidders, Straight Edge. And what uh, what was your first comic, Vince? Um, wow, my first uh, Marvel comic. I remember it very well. Now um, I'm going to paint the picture for you here. Okay. My mother comes from a very large family. Uh, she had seven brothers and one sister, and uh, her brother John was the perpetual bachelor. Never married. Well, he didn't until he was very. Uh, very late in life and uh he was also my godfather so being a bachelor the guy had money to spare he would um show up at our house every day after work with a little bag of candy for me so uh i don't know what made him do it but um and i was i guess i was getting up to reading age or the potential reading age and uh he thought well let me buy the kid a comic book now the Here's where it gets a little sticky, so, because uh, I was born in 65, and uh, my first comic was Fantastic Four number 48, and that was published in March 1966, so if um, he, I don't think he got it off the newsstand. For, for him to do that, you know, that's almost impossible. He must have got it at a store that either stockpiled, you know, backdated comics or just had them laying around, but anyway, I got a copy of... Fantastic Four number 48 by Stan and Jack. Can you imagine the impact a book like Fantastic Four number 48 could have on a young kid? I mean, the coming of Galactus, a pivotal event in the in in the Marvel universe, one of the one of the hallmarks of the Silver Age. Stan and Jack at their prime, you had um not only the Fantastic Four, but you had the Silver Surfer, the Watcher, running around in this, you know, cosmic toga. You had the Inhumans, um, uh, again, Galactus. And I, and I think the scrolls were in there, too. I, did, I, I didn't know it at the time, and I couldn't read it at the time, but I just, you know, thumbed through the pages, and it didn't take long for the power of Jack's work to, to soak in. Uh, I, I don't know if it was because I experienced his work first, or I was beca- or because I was so young, Jack has become the standard with me. He's he's the king, and everybody else is second secondary. There's really nobody in my mind to even come close to what Jack did. And um, I mean, Jack 
the man was a master. I don't even think he knew it. Uh, this hyperkinetic, all over the place art, these larger than life characters. Um, and again, I didn't know it at the time, but Jack had this way of composing a panel to draw your eye exactly to where he want you to look. That's true. Yeah. Um, the 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 way he drew explosions and the way he drew the human form and and uh, um, now Jack was not a realist, you know. No, uh, no. I no. was just gonna say that. I mean, he may not he may not be the most realistic illustrator, but uh, but but damn, he sure was creative. Right. I and mean, when when Jack drew a rock, it, it it wasn't a representation of a rock as it is in reality. It was the essence of a rock. I mean that said rock and um that that's the thing about Jack's um work when when you look at his comic pages you you're not looking at lines and shapes and 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 uh figures you're in Jack's mind when you look at that page and the man was just a creative powerhouse so I'm 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 5 years old and I'm I'm thumbing through this magazine and I don't know it was like a switch was flicked and from then on, I've been a comic book fan since that day. That's and I, great. And I have my Uncle John to thank for that. Uncle John, if you're listening, <laughs> you owe me a, a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> now, when Jack defected to the Distinguished Competition, uh, I followed him. But uh, it, it it's not mentioned very often, but those books that he created for them were not the typical books that that company put out. I mean, they looked nothing like their books. They didn't read like their books. They were, in, in essence, Marvel books published at a different company. And, uh, you know, I followed him when he came back. Captain America, 2001, uh, The Eternals, which is having a resurgence today. It's just that Jack is the man in my mind. I love that man. And it, it, it's a, because of Jack, I wanted to uh, develop my skills and eventually go into a career in art, which I did. So it, yeah. it, it's all because of Jack. And that 12 cents that my uncle spent on that, there you go. It's a, that's, you, that's quite a return on an investment. You bet, brother. It's funny. I mean, I, I remember talking to Sean, you know, way back and, and being like, I'm surprised somebody hasn't done a Marvel one yet. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I was going to say, same thing with your show. There it is, finally. You know, we got the DC thing. Sean's doing it. He's got great success now. Great. Now you, people can go listen to a Marvel. I think it's perfect. Brian, did, we, didn't, we didn't know where this was going to go at all. We just thought... It was going to be what it was, you know, just him and I talking, bringing on the other guys as guests, and uh, and we always try to go back to that, you know, we always try to go make sure we go back to those episodes where we just talk, because it's, that's what's interesting about it, and, you know, I think, I think it was only like, Chris from Collected Comics Library, Augie DeBleek, um, Comicology, of course, Comic Comic News Insider, maybe. I mean, there weren't many, mm-hmm. and, and and we just got lucky that we were like, you know, let's. We had nobody to go off of. I guess is what we, we just did it, you know, and it just became what it was. Um, which is why I really like I really like helping out the new podcast because 
I want them to find their voice. I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's finding your voice. And I think the ones that go wrong are the ones that pod fade don't ever find their voice. They try too much to do too much or be too similar or to be an alternative to other things and and but without really being unique and I that's that's the danger. Mr. Phil is, is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that obscure kind of stuff. I mean, and and not really all obscure, but you know what I mean? Like he's just amazing and uh I just, I love the dynamic they have. I mean, whenever, I, I use them as a reference when it comes to what good chemistry is, mm-hmm. because they have it. Yeah, they really do. Yep, absolutely. Beautiful. See, I, I, I didn't, um, I didn't have an uncle that, uh, that bought me a, a comic. I did have an aunt who, her, uh, her former, her, law partner his uh his mother used to frequent flea markets on the weekends and whenever i would see my aunt from time to time she would have a shopping bag full of comics and there were marvel in there and there were some from uh, from the guys down the street and and uh and of course some some from the uh, riverdale gang and uh and and the like but the uh the, 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 there were some Marvel items in there, and, and and good things like you know the Hulk and Captain America, and there's some Iron Man, and and uh, I used to love going uh, going to visit my aunt. I, I knew I was going to come home with something to read. Now, people may not know this about me, but you know I have a little bit of a mouth. I can get sarcastic at times and and kind of nasty. And as a kid, whenever I would act up, my mother never you know, took away the television or uh, took away my, my playground, you know, time, she would take my comic books. She would she would take them, put them in a bag, put them in the bottom of her closet, and I couldn't touch them. And that would talk about an effective means of punishment. I mean, wow. there, yeah, yeah, I would, I would, it didn't last long. I, I straightened up pretty quick. <laughs> oh, wow. And and the thing that bothered me the most about him is because she had to pick him up to put him in the bag, and she was, you know, bending him and wedging him in there. And I was like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" <laughs> that was finicky even back then. Oh damn. Yeah. But it's it's crazy. I I measure the uh, I remember the times in my life based on the comic books that came out during that time. Like okay. uh, growing up, I can remember the. Um, the Marvel magazines, the black and white Marvel magazines, like uh, you know, Monsters Unleashed and and uh, Dracula Lives, uh, Tales of the Zombie, and I, I can remember what I was doing, where I was, you know, what period in the in in the time of year it was when I was reading these magazines. It, it's odd. Marvel has has had a huge impact on me, and um, if I had to pick uh, my favorite. Marvel era, it would probably be the Bronze Age, and that's probably because those are my formative years. They they always say the Golden Age of comic books different is different for for every person based on where they were, you know, at twelve years old. That's your Golden Age, and I guess they're right because for me it's the Bronze Age, and uh, the books like um, 
you know, Howard the Duck and uh, Werewolf by Night and Ghost Rider and Man-Thing. We can't forget about the Man-Thing. There will never be an episode of Bullpen Bulletins in which the Man-Thing does not get mentioned. So, <laughs> you know, people, get ready for it. Because if, if I don't mention the Man-Thing, I will... I'll, I'll throw a quarter in the jar. <laughs> and uh, now if you look back on those uh, magazines, there's one unifying uh, thing, and that's Mike Pluke, Ghost Rider, Werewolf by Night. And the uh, the pinnacle of Mike Pluke to me is the black and white Planet of the Apes magazine. Uh, that Whenever that magazine was published, it was like my birthday you know, uh, I don't remember if it was a monthly or bi-monthly. I think it was a monthly. But uh, that was the one thing I would pick before everything. Amazing Spider-Man, X-Men, you know, uh, Avengers. That's, nah, leave them. Planet of the Apes came out today. I would take that magazine and devour it because, primarily because of Mike Plug and I think it was Doug Munch did that Terror on the Planet of the Apes series. That ran, I think, for must have been close to thirteen or fourteen issues. But um, talk about gorgeous artwork! Um, there's nobody who can draw apes like Mike Pluke. And uh, I mean, the man, like Kirby, the man had a huge impact on on uh, me. Uh, he he did Man Thing. He did the uh, early issues of Werewolf by Night. Did the early issues of Ghost Rider. I mean, the guy was on the ground floor of a lot of milestone Marvel books. Now, they may have been on the fringe of the Marvel Universe, and I'm sure they didn't sell as well as, you know, Amazing Spider-Man. But to me, those that was Marvel, the fringe books. Vince B., David Price, yet another podcast. As if the world does not have enough podcasts to choke a horse. So you're doing one about Marvel. Well, I hope it's a little less ham-fisted than the first issue of Civil War. That's all I can say. Other than that, Kirby? Oh, Kirby, I just don't get you. Foreshorten arm my ass. Well... Good luck, guys. Knock my socks off this thing. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Dan, I, I've always... I've, um... The, the books from Marvel, when I was growing up, that I always had to get make sure I read weren't the... weren't the most popular ones. Like, if I had, if I had my opportunity... If I had a Spider-Man book that I always enjoyed reading... It was Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, and this was around the Cloak and Dagger era. This was um, uh, against Silvermane. This was um, going up against. Uh, there was an issue that I remember with uh, J. Jonah Jameson. It was pretty much the start of the story, and he was uh, he was going to get a story, and every time he came across some trouble, he got through it. But it was always because Spider-Man was making sure that uh, that he took care of it before it took care of Jonah um, the, I, I, I used to love reading Power Man and Iron Fist early on with uh, with art by Ernie Chan who I remembered from the Conan comic and then, uh, and then later Mark Bright took over the art, I used to enjoy reading uh, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu um, I had uh, I, I used to love 
reading a Marvel team-up because I always got someone other than Spider-Man in the comic book with them, so I was getting more bang for my buck. Um, I just... Uh, and, and one... Oh, oh, the Micronauts. I used to love reading the Micronauts. Oh, I love the Micronauts. Oh, especially with the... They went from Michael... It, they didn't have a bad time, it seemed. They went from Michael Golden on art to Pat Broderick. Um, and then and later on, you finally got... Uh, Jackson Geis and then uh, and and Kelly Jones, but loved early um, early Micronauts. I um, was never really huge into Rom, but I had a couple issues of of, uh, of that. There was uh, the New Mutants. I used to really really like uh, the New Mutants during the first few years. There was. Um, but one magazine, one comic I used to love reading, but probably because it was so cheap and because uh, cheap is in price, and just because it really had a lot of information was, and these days, a comic like it wouldn't need to exist. But do you remember Marvel Age? Do I remember it? I have almost a complete run. <laughs> That's great. The, the, those suckers are in Mylar, baby. I oh, damn. Yeah, I loved Marvel Age. Fred, a- Fred Hembeck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, that was the thing. We didn't have the internet back then. That's right. And we were probably better off. But um, just getting a glimpse at what was coming out in the in the in the following months. It was where I first remember reading about uh, this this event called Secret Wars. Ah, the wonderful Secret I, Wars. I mean, that was that was a, was a great series. And then and then then we can. Those were some of the first action figures that I ever bought were related to that um to that miniseries but the uh yeah, st- before we jump around on 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 onto the toys and I, I i wanted to get back to uh to my time in arizona one one hanukkah my uh my aunt and uncle sent my brother and i our uh our hanukkah presents and there's a big box with a bunch of gifts, and all the gifts were marked. You know, you'll open this on the second night. You'll open this on the third night. My brother and I didn't bother to wait. We opened everything up all at once, and I got, I, I scored these hideous looking, but they were so cool to me with the with the suction cup at the end. Spider-Man web shooters. Oh, I had that. I oh. I love that toy. <laughs> That was so cool. I just, you know, flipped. Oh, I just, I, I love. I, I don't know how long it took before the string finally broke, but it, it just. Well, no, it didn't have a string. It, it shot the suction cups out, didn't it? No, it did have a string. Yeah, it did have a string. Now, did you have? Yeah, because that was the web. Did you have two of them? Yes. Oh, see, I only had one. Oh. I was deprived. I had one damn web shooter. And uh, I remember my grandmother railing on me one day because you know you had to lick the suction cup <laughs> to, to get the thing to stick. So, and I, I don't know why I did it. I would just keep shooting at the bathroom mirror, you know. So, so you'd have all these little milky circles as after a while they'd be starting to drip down the mirror. <laughs> yeah, she she was not happy. Oh damn! Ah, uh, great toys. Those were the days. Fleshy one designate Christopher Eastman. Begin. I'm a hack. I'm a hack, man. None of it's true. None of it's true. I'm just, I'm just a guy who spends way too much fucking money on comic books and is hanging a shelf right now. How did I end up with a copy of the movie Heartbreakers? 
starring uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver and Gene Hackman. How does that happen? I mean, the first thing that you did that is so important is picking something unique. And no one else is, is doing what you guys are going to be doing. And that is the number one most important thing. And then after that, if you have characters. And uh, what uh, Harvey Keitel say in uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, being a character does not necessarily mean that one has character. And you and David have character. I mean, it's not something... You know, it's like it's like how to be cool, and and I'm by far, you know, not a cool person, but you can't you can't manufacture cool, and you and you and David are gonna have that between you guys. There's just there's gonna be a nice chemistry. I mean, there already is. And did you have any uh, Migos? I had, I I did, and then. I guess they somehow got to my grandmother's house because whenever there was a any um, a holiday or a family gathering, they were uh, I played with them at my grandmother's and I I had I had Iron Man, I had Spidey, I had Green Goblin, and I'm trying to think did they make a shocker? Oh, I don't I don't think so. But don't, I'm just really picturing that Iron Man outfit kind of resemble. I mean, I just, but yeah, I didn't have a lot, and I think we might have had Captain America as well. Mm. I, I had uh, a nice assortment of Migos, and um, you know, naturally, Spider Man was the first one I had. Right. I had the Green Goblin, you know, Captain America, and I, I can remember. Um, my mother would go to Kmart with my father on the weekends, and I'd stay at my grandmother's house. And they came home, and my mother said, oh, I got you another one of those little superhero dolls. I said, oh, excellent. Oh, give me it. And it was Tarzan, you know? <laughs> and I've, I've, since, <laughs> I've since learned to appreciate Tarzan, and I, I love Burroughs' work. But, you know, I didn't want this guy in a diaper. You know, Tarzan, what is this? Yeah. How's he going to fight Spider-Man? <laughs> <sighs> But yeah, oh, that's great. I remember this will curl your toes. Uh, about ten years ago, maybe more, there was a comic book convention at a local hotel. Not a big deal, you know. I, I don't really think there were any guests there. It was just uh, an excuse for dealers to go in and sell comics. And this man walks in with a uh, with a big grocery bag full of 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 stuff, and you know, I I. I I got curious, so I, I kind of, you know, moved over in his direction, and I saw what was in the bag, and it was loaded with Mego figures and um, Aurora models. Wow. And I, yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, what's going on here? Well, um, we were this, this was when we were all waiting to get in. You couldn't get in then. It was like the, the setup pre-stage where the dealers are all getting their things together. And this guy just walks right in. And I, uh, there was a commotion coming from the, other, the inside. Deal, I, I heard people shouting and people were falling over each other. It sounded like anyway. And uh, do you know who that man was? Who? Cockrum. No. Yes, I guess he did some drawing. Uh, he did some illustration work for the back of the Mego packages, and he did some of the paintings for the Aurora models. And in in compensation uh, for you know whatever they didn't provide him monetarily, they would give him samples. 
And he, I guess he had these things in the bottom of a closet. And, you know, I guess Cockrum came on hard times in certain, during a certain period that uh, he had to sell these things. And he was selling them for, for like 10, 20 bucks. And at the time, you know, Thor and the Green Goblin were going for like a couple hundred bucks. Wow. So the dealers were freaking out. And then once we got in there, everybody had Migos, all the dealers, and they all had little little post-it notes on them, you know, like 200, 225, and they they probably got them for like 20 bucks. It, it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was Cockrum. All right, well, cool. Uh, congrats on your new show. Looking forward to it. Uh, this is Brian from Cookful, the uh, long box of love dude over at Around Comics. Um, that's my one claim to fame. But uh, looking forward to one more podcast to listen to. The only... Well, I don't know I don't want to say only. One one brush with greatness was... Uh, I, I spoke on the telephone with Mark Texiera, who at the time was... This was this was way after uh, Psy Force, and this this might have been around the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider era when that series was starting up. But um, I, I had I got to talk on the phone with him because at the time he lived in Bronxville, New York, and he would take the train in from from uh, from six one six. He'd take the train and from New York City take it to Tuckahoe. My grand, my father worked at a uh, worked part time a couple times a couple days a week at a uh, at a liquor store that was run by a, an old family friend. And Tex would uh, occasionally run in, grab a bottle of, of wine or what have you, and uh, and head home. And I guess he had his portfolio with him one night, and he must put it on the counter. Somehow, I wasn't with my father that night. I usually I, I used to go with him um, most nights. He worked and. I get a phone call. My father says, "Hold on a second. Someone wants to talk to you." And the guy introduces himself, and my jaw drops. And I think, I think I, am, I might have embarrassed him a little bit because I did mention some of his work that he did for, uh, for the guys down the street from Marvel. And, um, and it wasn't naturally his best work. It was one of his first works in in the industry. And and people tend to not really want to dwell on those first career choices too much. And, uh, and what book was that? That he that he did was uh, Power Lords, which was a three issue mini based on a toy line, where the where the main character looked human, but then like he would flip around at the waist and he'd be blue and orange. I have a few of those. Oh, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but uh, oh, the toys that is not the yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't blame <laughs> you about the comics. The um, so we we, we chat for a little bit, and then he he told me that he's going to leave something for me next time he's around, and he did. He left me some Xerox pages from a story that had Daredevil and Kingpin in it, and at the time, it wasn't from any Daredevil that I had read or had seen, and this was before, I don't know how early, how long before, but this was... It turns out that this these pages were from the Frank Miller written John Romita Jr. drawn and I think Al Williamson inked Daredevil Man Without Fear. So I'm I'm looking at like Xerox pencil pages from John Romita Jr. of of, of a comic that 
And at the time, I was like, because I, I told him I wanted to be an inker, so I, he he left the the copies for me to to practice on, and um, I I believe I did, and because it it was Ramita and it was a Daredevil comic, a lot of blacks were involved, so I really didn't ink too much because I didn't want to waste all my ink, but uh, that was the first time that the him dropping off the pages. I didn't speak to him then. My father just brought him home. But um, when, when I finally did get to meet him face-to-face, it was at a um, a memorial service for the husband of the comic shop I used to go to. The husband died, and the wife decided to have, um, have some of his more loyal customers spend a couple hours after the store closed and commiserate and uh, and she had some some professionals there one of which was Mark and and one of uh, Ray Lago a painter who did the cover the variant cover to Avengers number I think it might have been number two during the heroes return era so like was that volume three and me and two other two other patrons went around the corner to Outback Steakhouse and we got a booth and I sat across from Mark and Ray while we were having dinner. And that was a good night. God damn, I'm awesome. Yeah, there's no topping. You know, you, you get what you get when you get me online. You know, this is me. Awesome. Just ebbing, flowing, being my thing. Goddamn, I'm awesome. See, that's how true artists know that they're touching people, by how sad they make them. Oh, man. That guy and his uh, Grendel fixations. You know, I, I, read the, I read the book. There's a girl in a mask, you know, wielding large pointy things at men. I, I don't know what he's trying to, you know, tell us with his subconscious pics of uh, characters, but... It's pretty, it's pretty alarming, and I actually find it pretty, uh, pretty intriguing. Uh, I'm going to buy them all now, I think. I'm going to have to start buying these other books I've never heard of, like this man thing thing that you keep talking about. That's my man. I do have, actually, in the mail, I just got my Howard the Duck um, Essentials book. Hey, David, um, why don't we play a little game here? A little word association game. So um, I guess you can lube up those lobes. And uh, there, there's that alliteration thing again. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Stan. That that's, <laughs> that stuff sticks like herpes. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I read those bullpen bulletin columns that were named after and Stan's soapbox. And uh, he, he every sentence had a nice little, nice little bit of alliteration in it. And it just stuck with me. I can't get rid of it. Man. So, yeah, um, well, uh, back to the topic at hand. Uh, a little word association game. Uh, Fifteen comic creators, and uh, I want you to say the very first thing that pops into your mind. Now, it doesn't have to be a book they worked on. It doesn't have to be a character. It could be a feeling or an emotion you got from these works, or maybe it's just uh, a, an opinion you have of the person, you know, as an individual. So, oh, you're going to get me in trouble, aren't you? Well, that's that's the idea, you know. I, th- I thrive on controversy. Apparently. So here we go. Number one, right out of the gate. Barry Windsor Smith. Oh, beautiful. 
This is the part where you're supposed to say the word that pops into your head. You didn't hear me? No. Oh, shit. No, I, sa- I said beautiful. Oh, that's the word. There you go. That that fits. And it per- it describes his artwork perfectly. So I get, think so. Yeah, I'm so used to you saying beautiful, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a sentence capper. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They're beautiful. Yeah. So, yes, he, his work is definitely beautiful. And uh, uh, how about if I add one on top of yours and you add one on top of mine? I would okay. say I, I would say elegant, which is pretty much the same thing as beautiful. So, no, you're right. There that, you go. Yeah, not a wasted line. No, um, and well, early on, he well, yeah yeah because yeah, er- everybody everybody does that you know kind of a thin line deal. But you know, I'm thinking of uh, is it the, uh, the 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 Storm Forge issue of Uncanny X Men or even the uh, the Weapon X from uh, from Marvel Comics presents, and there wasn't, there weren't really any thin lines, and, but everything was nice and fluid. I'll say fluid, fluid. Got to watch out for that fluid. That's um, right. He, and and started off as a Jack Kirby clone a little bit. Those those early X Men issues that he worked on, not right. not his best work, but everybody needs a chance to grow. But I will say, once he found his style, it he has only improved with time. Right. The uh, work he did, uh, the self-published work, he did the Freebooters and the um, the other work, the oversized comics that he published with Dark Horse. Th- those things are, are amazing. Uh, delicate watercolor washes uh, under a Barry Windsor Smith line. I mean, it, wow. doesn't, it doesn't get too much better than that. Okay. And I think the, the, one of the last times I think I saw anything by him that I remember buying was... And because it all comes back to Marvel, when uh, when he was doing Rune for Malibu, right? That um, crossover they did with Rune and uh, Adam Warlock. See, I didn't read that. I have to find that. Yeah, um, which wasn't Barry Windsor Smith, right? It was Rune and the Silver Surfer. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, right. Excellent work. The man's a the man's a god. All right. Here's another one. Wally Wood. Ooh. Uh, man, I can't... Uh, that pops in, Daredevil is what pops in my head. I, I, I wish I could have a word to, to describe what I feel or how I could describe his art, but no, I, I hear Wally Wood and I just I associate Daredevil with it. Um, the first thing that popped into my mind when uh, I think Wally Wood is boobies. And that that's, that that pretty much goes for everything boobies. But Wally Wood's women are astounding. The uh, the, the the curves and and just the way he rendered uh, the female form, uh, unbelievable. And uh, if I had to pick another word, I would say machinery. Oh really? Yeah, he had such a knack for drawing the uh, you know background machinery that actually looked like it did something instead of just you know uh, a panel with buttons and a and a uh, lines on it. It, it. Wallywood's machinery was alive. It was oh, that's great. Yeah, especially in the old EC stuff. And on to number three. Wait, on the old what? EC books. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I, thought, I thought you mentioned another company there. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> one one demerit for me. <laughs> that that's okay. That's, that's classic stuff. Um, here's a good one. John Buscema. 
Oh, oh, just uh, oh, man, amazing. I mean, he that that that's that's the word, uh, amazing. I mean, from reading his his uh, his Conan or his his Avengers, I had such a run that he did from the Avengers, and and at times because the inker was so heavy-handed that you could tell Tom Palmer was inking John Buscema but you still Buscema still shone through and I just his 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 work I was as in awe with his work he just he was the, the characters the figures he drew were amazing everything I mean the, exaggerated slightly in the Marvel way but you know I didn't find anything out of whack or something that you know that I really didn't I, I didn't not believe that that a scene could happen in a panel if, if he drew it it just it worked he actually if, if he said his name I would probably just go ahead and say Marvel because I can't I don't know of him working illustrating for any other company whether he did or not I just John Bashima John Bashima is Marvel you are slick my friend that was nice um yeah and uh, with uh John the thing that immediately pops into my mind is Conan I can't separate the two okay uh, you, you know the power and the 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 this the savagery that he uh injected into that book was uh incredible and the only the only other person that I because I don't even associate Windsor Smith with with Conan the only other artist that I would associate Conan with is Ernie Chan. That's interesting. Although he and did he did draw the book for a while, he's not a name you would hear. Uh, no, and that's and that's a damn shame. Whether it's Conan or King Conan or, or what was later Conan was it Conan the King first and then King Conan? King Conan I believe came first, and Conan the King I think was the magazine, wasn't it? Well, it might have been originally, but I know that like when they did King Conan, I think like around issue twenty or twenty one or something, they just they they switched the name to Conan the King, or it vice versa. But right, um, yes. and I remember the cover; it said the King is dead, and I believe Khan was it was his son's name was Khan. Yeah, I'm C O N N or something like that, and um, I believe he was searching for whoever did bad to his daddy but the <laughs> um but no er, ernie chan I, I liked his conan work but I, I believe he did he did a lot of work though for the magazine yes he did a lot okay. of work did a lot of work period he was he yeah. was he was also working for the guys down the street and all, all the filipino artists of that period were uh powerhouses i mean um i i used to love his um power man and iron fist Yes, he did a couple issues. I don't know if he only did a couple, but I had a couple of issues, consecutive issues that that he drew. I I loved his Iron Fist, man. He he drew a kick-ass Daniel Rand and and Misty Knight. Yes. Now I I I won't get into too many of the uh, artists on the that were part of the Filipino invasion because there's one of them that's on my list. And I don't want to sh- you know shoot my wad before that yet. Yeah, but um, Alex Nino or Nino. Oh. Yeah, he, if I had to pick, um, you know, a top ten artist list, Alex Nino would be on there. He, and what are some of your favorites that he did? Oh, good God! Um, 
let's see. And it's not too many Marvel books, but um, he did a lot of work for Warren. Jim Warren's uh, publications, like uh, right. 1984, and 1994. That's where I associate his name for him. Yeah, but the the guy has one of those styles that uh, instantly recognizable as you know coming from his hand. It's it, his work just screams Alex Nino because he has a way of you know uh, just a- everything. He he puts his personal stamp on everything, whether it's a tree or a you know a, a monster or a rock. You know he did it. And uh, I think the guy's a fantastic talent. And uh, he's he's still working, by the way. He has a, a self-published uh, book coming out currently called um, God the Dyslexic Dog. Oh, my God. Is that? Yes. I saw that in an ad in uh, CBG. Yeah. Uh, I think it's finished in there. The trade hasn't come out yet, but it's, it's uh, pending. So, yeah, uh, a- Alex Nino fans, pick that up. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's it's great, great work. Um, okay, let's see what else is on this list here. Um, I'll throw you a curveball. Ed McGinnis. Oh, man. I'm about to piss off so many people. Uh, I'm just trying to choose choose the words carefully. I can't I don't wanna I don't wanna shoot from the hip here. The uh Chunky or blocky, take your pick. Okay, I was I would say chunky. Yeah, when I think Ed McGinnis, I think bloated. I go with that. Yeah, and not in a bad way. I mean, the man does have a very attractive style to me. It's a it's a tad bit too clean in some spots. Oh no! Oh, oh over um, overdeveloped leg muscles. Yeah, upper thighs. Yes, that's, that's yes. what I associate with Ed McGinnis. Right. Um, I actually preferred his work on Deadpool to his uh, his recent stuff. Which, right, and, that, and that's going back, what, four or five years? Oh, yeah, a little more than that. Um, and not to say that the man can't uh, illustrate because he is, he's a fantastic talent, but um, it's, it's almost to the point where it's shiny now. It's a little too slick. Okay. For me, okay. I, I like uh, I like to get dirt under my fingernails and get a little gritty. Right. You know, uh, but uh, there's no uh, no mistaking his uh, ability. So, uh, yeah, you're not a negative person, are you? <laughs> well, I just I uh, you know I don't there's 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 good in everything. Right. Okay. How we let's proceed to, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna set them up, and I'm hoping you're gonna knock them down for me. Um, Jim Mooney. Oh, um, competent. The yeah, I have. Um, I have. Uh, I've read some old Peter Parkers, and um, and he was, he was, he, he was mostly, I think, the penciler on some of those, and it, you could tell it wasn't. Marvel's flagship book. It, it, you know, there was just like, listen, okay, Jim can probably get this book out real quick. We need it done, so just give it over to the Mooney. And he was, he's, he's not who I consider um, superstar, but uh, but he he got the job done. So I mean, I, I I've read books that he did, but um, I can't exactly say that he's the uh, he's the consummate fill in the character's name artist for anybody right i'd I'd have to say you utilitarian 
myself. I mean, you're okay. right. He, yeah. he he did the job, but um, see, I, I loaned you my thesaurus. I got no words here. That's okay. I'll fill in the blanks for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, there, there was a, a couple of issues of Ghost Rider he uh, inked over mm-hmm. Mike Plug's pencils that I pretty much considered blasphemous because, um, you know, there was really no um, way that you can identify that Plug touched those pages because okay. he he just obliterated that style. And if if you're an inker and you can squelch one of the most recognizable styles, then uh, I, I I think you're a little too heavy handed. But yeah, well, see that's that's how I feel about Palmer. Because whether if if he was if he was inking over Buscema, John Buscema, if he was inking over um, you know, Neil Adams, if he was inking over anybody, I could always tell that Tom Palmer touched this page, and that's not always a good thing. Right. So I can I I I could still see the original artist in the pages, whereas like you said with Mooney over Plug, it was almost very it was, it was very hard to do that. It just but I I can sense where you're going with that just on my feelings right. towards an anchor or two. So I, I can I I can understand your frustration. Right. Dorkiest conversation ever. <laughs> yeah, we got to get Dustin in here. Yeah, good old Dustin. That's right. Okay. Jim Shooter. See, I, I damn, I had a word too and I I um and there ain't a damn thing negative. I uh Well, you can have 3 or 4. Run with it. A G um man knew his business. I I love him for the fact that he said Every comic is someone's first comic. He's the reason why every issue of X-Men, Chris Claremont made sure that you knew that Storm was a was a, a weather goddess and, and and a queen from Africa and or pretty much royalty. You knew that Wolverine was the best he is at what he does. You knew that Cyclops needed the Ruby Quartz lenses and you know, and Colossus is a Russian born lad who can turn to steel. I mean every or Every Marvel comic book you had, they had to spend a panel or two on who this character was and how they came to be under Shooter's reign. And whether it's New Universe or Secret Wars or you know, just what I I see no wrong from the man. I'd have to agree with you. I would say either underappreciated or a variation of that underrated. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say underrated because I would say underappreciated, but I wouldn't say underrated only because I believe his name did a lot for Valiant and later for Defiant, and he his his Legion of Superhero stories for those other guys did uh, they you know people remember those stories people still remember the mark he left on. On Marvel, so I, I definitely wouldn't say um, underrated. Right? Yeah. As the uh, the captain of the good ship Marvel, uh, he knew where he was taking that uh, that uh, vessel to continue the the uh, ham-fisted analogy. But um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, he plotted that course and he went for it. And uh, I think he did great work for Marvel, and he was very good to the for the company. And it's a shame I, that things, you know had to end the way they did but I think on the bright side you never would have had the Valiant books which 
they, uh, you know, they speak for themselves. That's yes. just, they were phenomenal series. Um, even towards the end, I enjoyed them a, a lot. Um, easy one. Jim Steranko. Little guy. Uh, he's, he's, he, every picture I see of him, the man is short and he has nice hair. But as, as far as art goes, um, you know what? I still have that Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. trade that I picked up in Chicago that I still have to get to. So I'm going to have to um, take a pass on Steranko for a later date. All I know is that the man had a style that can't be beat. Right. I think design when I think of Jim Steranko. Um, may not have been the best draftsman in the world, and I'm not slighting his talents. He was an excellent illustrator, but I think he was stronger in terms of his design sense than he, yeah. you know, I mean. The Some man, of those covers were just see that, amazing. Yeah, that, that's what you remember, those covers. Yeah, those, yeah. The, uh, you know, one-ups. But I have no idea what the story was about on the inside. I don't know if it was Fury versus Hydra or, you know, versus... The, the IRS, but those covers were just those covers were real nice. Yeah. Here's a, a fairly recent name, Jim Chung. Nice, uh, real clean style. No, uh, no up and coming. He's or Young Gun, according to Marvel. He. Um, I I didn't read anything from the Florida-based cross-gen, but uh, I've I've become aware of his style, of his art, and the first Young Avengers trade, and I was wholly impressed. Mm-hmm. I was I was just that he is a damn. He needs to be on a book, like just that. He's he's uh, doing the art for one of the new Avengers solo issues related to Civil War, isn't he? Yes, yes. And he just... Do we need to see more of him? Oh, definitely. I would say uh, Superstar. That's what pops into my mind because yeah, okay. this kid is... If there's any justice in the world, this kid's going to explode. And so he, we'll, take, we'll take my up and coming and just attach your Superstar to the end of it. Okay. I, I think if he gets the right exposure and the right title... um. I think he's going to go down when all is said and done. He's going to go down as one of the greats because um, initially when I heard the concept of Young Avengers, uh, you know, it sounded a little bit goofy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't have too much interest in the title. But uh, after I got a look at a few of those pages, oh, good Lord. Uh, uh, it's, you, it, it's like uh, Kramer. You, you cannot look away. <laughs> just, 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 just beautiful stuff. It really is. Okay. Um, Bill Sienkiewicz. Style. Style. Just, man, the man had a style that couldn't, couldn't be beat, can't be beat. I, um, I remember him being very Neil Adams influenced on Moon Knight, and I really enjoyed his New Mutants run with Demon Bear, and, and, uh, and I do have I do have one of the issues of the Electra Assassin miniseries, and I really enjoyed the art in that. Um, but I have not picked up anything by him in in the later years. But uh, no, I just I I can't. Uh, I love his art. I can't turn away from it. Right. I would say visionary because. Um as influential on me as Kirby was, 
I would have to say Bill is pretty much up there. I mean, he's he's my Aldous Huxley. He he uh with the Demon Bear story, he uh showed me that there are other ways to see this medium. You can, you know, you don't have to do it by the numbers and, you know, the nine panel grid and and you can spread your your art across two pages. You can extend through the panels. You can basically slap anything uh, any kind of emotion on the page and make it work and uh the way bill did it is um it was a, a, a revelation to me at the time and uh i think he's another one of those talents that starts off really strong and finds the niche and just goes gangbusters and you know there's no stopping and he's another one he doesn't do enough in my opinion i think we got to get bill on uh on a lot more books oh yes Inked by um, Klaus Janssen, if possible. Oh, God, man. Yeah. See, uh, it depends on the story. It really does because if if Bill is on a is doing a book that is produced on really slick paper, I don't want Janssen's inks on that. Okay. Janssen Janssen works not in all places. He he um, he was good on he he he. He was good on the Enemy of the State storyline in Wolverine over Ramita Jr. And even though there might have been a couple of pages where he was a little heavy on good old uh, JR, there was, uh, it, it still worked because Wolverine is a badass. He was gritty in that story. Um, but recently they also had Jansen Inc. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Right. And that is not exactly a match made in heaven. I was a little underwhelmed myself, yeah. So I don't know I mean it could work. I would I I wouldn't mind seeing Jansen Ansenkevich, but it would really depend on the story because I don't Bill is one of those people where I don't think his work would benefit from an anchor. Right. Okay, let me let me clarify a little bit. On a uh, creator-owned project, I would like to see Bill work alone. Like Electra Assassin, you know, where he just grabs that bull by the horns and takes it wherever he wants to go. Okay. Um if it were if he was working on a uh strictly mainstream book like, you know, oh. like like the work he did on um Ultimate Team Up, that Daredevil Punisher Spider-Man little, uh, I don't forget how many parts it was, but Sienkiewicz did that. And I think Jansen inked him on that. For something like that, yeah, I would like to see Jansen with him. But you're right. It does depend on the format and the uh, the, the type of uh, characters he's working with. So, yeah. There's a little, we got a little hug out of that. So that, that yeah, that's good. Okay. This one may not trigger anything. Uh, Len Kaminsky. He is a. I want to say he's a colorist, isn't he? Negative. Letterer? Negative. Oh, crap. Len Kaminsky's a writer. Get out of here. You betcha, buddy. What have I read by him? Ghost Rider 2099. One of the single best books ever to come out of Marvel. Okay, so it is a recent name. I didn't think he was from old school Marvel. Oh, but... no, he's pretty old school. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly when he started, but he's not he's not new to the business. Um I do believe he worked for um 
Oh, see, it, it, it's very hard to get old because those little memories that you have in your head, they have a way of evaporating. Um, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I got some time still. Malibu? Was it Sludge? Oh, um, yes. Okay, that, that company. that's why. Right. I think Len wrote um, Nightman, was it? For Malibu, that one uh, character. Well, then he, maybe it was in a later run because... And Early Steve. on, it was because uh, Derek Robertson drew it initially, and then Kyle Hotz or Hotz, and you know what? I, I don't recall the writer. Malibu, right. I was mostly. I was. It, it's funny they they wanted Malibu to be like this big writer's paradise, but I remember Malibu mostly for the artists working on the books. Right. See, uh, I know Steve Gerber wrote Sludge. Yes. But ma- maybe. Um I, Maybe I, he wrote Prime later on? Could have been. Could have been. Uh, but um, Len Kaminsky made a huge impact on me with uh, Ghost Rider 2099. And um, not only did the series start off with the awesome Chris Bacallo, or Bacallo. That's right. But I think it's one of the very first appearances of Ashley Wood. No kidding. Yeah, Ashley Wood did some art for that book. And uh, it... I at the time I don't think it sold exceptionally well, but it's right. it's one of those titles. If you read it, uh, you'll be aghast. I mean, it's just that good. It, it's I, re- I do remember the first issue, and I probably remember it because of uh, Bacalo. There we go. We'll, we'll give a third impression out there. Um, Tomato. <laughs> and uh, I remember the, I remember him being on the art originally, just like Ron Lim was like the original artist for X Men twenty ninety nine, but. Ghost Rider 2099 was not was was one of the couple 2099 books that I didn't go out of my way to follow. Right. But you're right. No, that it, not, not it, it is coming back to me though. His his name. Right. And I'm pretty sure that if if you were so inclined, you can find those Ghost Riders 2099s in 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 uh, cheapy bins. It, it's not a tough series to find, but it's well worth the effort. I'm, Ve- I'm already making my list for next year, Chicago. There you go. And here's another one that may uh, not exactly uh, puff your sails, but uh, Herb Trimpey. G.I. Joe. Yep. Now, see, there's the difference between you and I. You, it, it, Hulk. It, you betcha. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, uh-huh. And I think it's got to, a little bit to do with our age. Yeah, age, because, age. One, because to me, one of the premier Hulk artists is Sal Buscema. Mm-hmm. I, I should clarify. Uh, I wouldn't say Hulk, but that is what I'm thinking of. But I would say Spit, because whenever I think of Herb Trimpey's work, I think of the way he used to draw the Hulk screaming, and that that spit wad would be hanging in his mouth. You remember and that's that? What I, and that's what I see when I when I think of Sal. That that, I, that 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 little spit string. Yeah, it's like somebody get him a glass of water. He always had that's, that that saliva <laughs> work in there, and that's what I think when I think of Trimpy, But a fantastic artist. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he was another one like just like he. I don't want to lower his name by comparing him to Mooney or raising Mooney up to that level, but I I mean it was just I I think that okay you know what. Herb's not doing any. Herb's not doing a book right now. We need this story done. Give it to him, and he'd get it done, and it'd be a nice looking book. I didn't. I, I didn't see anything. And 
today people might look at his art and go, yeah, what's the big deal? But these are the same people that are going to say that about Don Heck or George Tuska or I'll kick their ass if they say about Gil Kane, but it's just, you know, he's, you aren't going to get too many people reading today or that have been, that have gotten into comics in the past few years. I'd be surprised if they knew who Herb Trimpey was. Right. Or is. And, uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever been as disappointed as I was uh, in the 90s when uh, Marvel had those Unlimited series, like you had a Spider-Man Unlimited, yes. Fantastic Four. Yep. And Herb Trimpey did a, an issue or two, and I, uh, I thought to myself, excellent, Herb Trimpey, I, you know, I got to get my hands on this. And I don't remember who inked him, but you would swear that Rob Liefeld penciled that issue. Oh, damn. Yes, they they did it in that 90s scratchy billion line style where everything had a you know uh, a thousand oh, little it's, it's, it's probably Mark Pacella hey, it could have been but uh, very disappointing and not at all representative of the man's talent it, that's it, a shame horrible horrible and and those unlimited books I remember they weren't cheap I think even in the 90s they were four bucks a pop that's true yeah yeah but they were they were double sized. Oh yeah, and and they were also printed on uh, on that slick paper. Why? It, it, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like wiping your ass with a mink. You know. <laughs> okay, moving on. Let's keep this rolling here. Um, Alfredo Alcala. Nice. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, blacks. A lot of I I I, I shadows. I okay. think of his artwork, and I just and. You know, again on on Conan or on um, did he ever do anything with uh, Gene Colan? Oh, I don't think so, but I would have loved to see that because I can I can kind of picture those two styles meshing pretty well together. But I do I I just um you know bare chested guys with swords and loincloths and 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 just shadows right and, and shading is is what I what I think of when I hear his name. I think um, liquid when I think of Alfredo. He had a style that made everything look a little bit damp. And uh, it's not a put down. I love the man's style. Right. But uh, everything had a sheen to it. And a little bit heavy handed with the inks, but there was no mistaking that, you know, Alfredo Alcala uh, inked a, a piece. But I remember back in the day, I was a, a pretty big fan of the Savage Sword book. And uh, John Buscema, inked by Alfredo, was to die for. I mean, John's work is phenomenal on his own, but when Alfredo got a hold of it, he he did something. He transformed it into something even even more. If you can track those uh, Savage Sword issues down, the the they're so rich in the texture in the inks. Uh, oh, they'll make you cry. Just amazing work. Sweet. Yeah, um, I'm I'm running out of names here. Um, you sure as hell aren't running out of words to use for him. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Back up. Back the hell up. <laughs> um, all right. Steve Ditko. Spidey. I just, yeah. Recluse. Uh, hermit. I just, no, I, I, um, it, it is, it's, it's gotta be Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, he did Blue Beetle. And Captain Adam too, right? For and, uh, Captain, and yep, and, uh, and wait, did he? Yes. Okay. Uh, 
Machine Man. Shade the Changing Man. The you know, Creeper. Yeah, he's touched a lot of books, but uh, yes. there, there's no extracting Ditko from Spider-Man. No. And vice versa, I think. Right. It may not have been the, the, the cleanest line or the most uh, the most detailed artwork, and in some cases, you know, I think his, I think it looked better if uh, if he rushed through the work, but um, but he had I, I can definitely I guess now as I've I've gotten older I can see where I can kind of associate McFarland's Spider Man to Ditko Spider Man. I can kind of see how they uh, I can see if McFarlane was going to go buy a guidebook and say, you know, who who do I need to draw Spider Man like, I can kind of picture it being like Ditko. Mm-hmm. With a, a lot of excessive noodling, yeah. But yeah, you're right. In terms of anatomy and the the uh, you know stretching and extending muscles, where they <laughs> it's not physically <laughs> yeah. possible to do. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Curveball. Steve Gerber. Howard the Duck. Yep. Just um, yeah. I I I don't. I haven't read much by him from any company. Um, he wasn't a, uh, he wasn't one of the creators that, you know, I would, I, he was, he was mostly writing for Marvel at a time when I was following characters like most people should and not the creators. And because of that, there's a lot he's done that I have, have not read. So I do have to, um, essential Howard the Duck is on my got to get list. Uh, but, um. Yeah, there isn't, uh, you know, whether it's scathing commentary or, you know, topic, um, current events at the time. I, I don't know what uh, what I could use to, to, to describe Steve Gerber other than Howard the Duck. Right. I have much love for the man. Uh, I would say, in all seriousness, the single best writer ever to come out of Marvel. Without a doubt. Wow. Yes. Um, if I had to pick single words, I would say visionary, uh, caustic, subversive. And, and as much as the art of the, the Marvel books at the time defined who I was, Gerber kind of tweaked my worldview a little bit where um, he showed me that everything is not all roses and sunshine out there and you know, it's it's not everything's not all it's cracked up to be, and there's a lot of nastiness in the world, and I I have to attribute that to to Steve Gerber. Um, uh, again, taking comic books in a in a totally different way from what was previously done. Um, he didn't follow the format. He he invented his own. Characters were were not squeaky clean, and I mean, just look at Man Thing. Uh, if someone ever gave you the task of creating a book where the 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 central character doesn't speak doesn't right. doesn't think just shambles around in a swamp and uh this whole wacky universe around him is like a whirlpool you know and it touches him in in different ways that's to me that's a pretty impossible task and uh I, if you read those early uh those Gerber man things he pulled it off you're going to make me read the essential man thing aren't you I'm there for you <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, Steve Gerber is my uh, Marvel Alan Moore. 
Nice. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And the very last one, Alan Davis. Ooh. And go. <laughs> God. I just, I, I just, I can't. I mean, words cannot describe this man. I, his line, see, this is someone who's fluid. This is someone who's just elegant and the women he draws and and the men and I want to be an Alan Davis character I would be so dashing and 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 probably slightly more good looking and I just you know I couldn't man I I I wish I could he could shoot a family member and I would still love the man <laughs> I I got I got nothing but you know you want to talk about a man crush he just now I would I would buy a book that he drew if it was me and thinking Howard and Duck just sitting back talking and having coffee I I'd buy anything he would do you say that like it's a bad thing I know but that's because <laughs> I haven't read either essential yet so right now to me it is right now I whew, uh an eighth by Mark Farmer forget about it I. Man, I, if if I could only buy one comic book, it would be by Alan Davis. I would have to say Brian Hitch clone. <laughs> and, mm. and I would have to say, wow, this this was a great friendship. <laughs> no, um, actually, I think beauty pretty much sums up my feelings towards Alan Davis. Even when he draws the thing. Or um, a not so attractive character. There's always a little bit of handsomeness to it, or yeah. you, you know, be, a beauty. And you're right. His women, uh, childbearing hips, have never looked so good. Uh huh. Oh, good lord! In 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 fact, yesterday, the uh, new Marvel previews magazine came out, and there is a couple of pages. Of preview art from his forthcoming Fantastic Four: The End. Have you seen those? Ooh. No, I'll be. Uh, I hope to grab uh, my previews tomorrow. There's a full page splash in there with uh, Doctor Doom, and he's got uh, these mechanical arms. Uh, forearm, forearms, by the way, uh, not forearms. Four as in quantity, and uh, he's smashing Reed's head into a rock and. And uh, the things looks like he's pretty much you know out for the count, but he uh, he draws Sue in such a way where I mean she doesn't even take much of the page, but you look at that uh, that little curve of the hip and the little <sighs> curve curve on the nasty business there, and oh my God, the, you know it is uh, I'm 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 down for this. As, so, so basically, you're saying that when when Renee goes to Vegas and I'm alone here on that Saturday night, I have something to keep me company. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay. But uh, I guess it's six issues, and um, I guess it will come out in November, starting in November. Ooh. And yeah, it's Mary, it, happy Hanukkah to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a definite. Alan Davis, forget about it. Let's like you said, world class. He's writing and drawing, right? Oh, you're gonna make me pick the book back up, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um. And we'll go into the the previews next episode. I think we'll do a page by page deal on this because there's so many things, so many good things that are coming out right now. Oh, um, yeah. Yes, it's written and drawn by Alan Davis. Nice. Okay. And uh, yeah, he his um, fairly recent 
X-Men with uh, Claremont. That yeah, he was the only reason I bought it. Oh, they were still... I, I didn't <laughs> mind the story. I thought it was pretty... Put it, put it this way. Whenever Captain Britain shows up in something, uh, I'm going to buy it. And well, I'm going to buy it only because it usually means Megan's going to be right next to him. Oh, baby. The, <laughs> <laughs> those those Ex- Excalibur issues. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Well, I mean... Can we, you still open those issues? We we want this to be an all ages podcast more or less, okay. but uh, if I if I gave you my true feelings on that art, I think uh, yeah I think we'd be pushing a couple buttons, but uh. just gorgeous gorgeous stuff. I, I'll say Mamma Mia, how about that? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Vince! Can you fucking believe this crap? I, I, I am I am so sick and fucking tired of that David Price. Alright? Look, the guy just brings this on me at the last fucking second that he's leaving comic timing. To do something with you, man. See, with you, I'm hurt, man. Seriously, this pain inside me, I'm never gonna get rid of that. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. And David's. Fucking bastards, jeez. Look, if there's one thing that I have learned is that the man of a thousand podcasts just stretches himself way too fucking thick. He can't commit to anything. It's ridiculous. <sighs> a bane on you and your podcast, David Price. A bane, my friend. In fact, you know what? No friend anymore. No friend. Uh, enemy. My enemy, David Price. That's it. You're, you're stricken from the record. I never knew you existed in the first place. Uh, that's it. I'm done. Period. That's it. Have a good show, man. So, uh, do you have a list? At the moment, I uh, I only have a couple of names. Well, that's um, okay, because you know this was, this was sprung on me. Um, I'll start off with uh, with the biggie, John Byrne. Oh, you bastard! Yeah, <laughs> what's the matter? <laughs> um, I will approach this in terms of his work. How about that? Okay. Judicious. Um, Alpha Flight. Oh, good stuff. That's one of those things where, like Ditko and Spider-Man, I can't think of Alpha Flight without thinking John Byrne. The the first, what was it, 20-something? Uh, yeah, 22, 23, 24 right. maybe. The, those issues are perfect. There's there's not a flaw in them. I, I, I can't find anything that I would change the uh, Marina Submariner thing, the Sasquatch. Um, my favorite member of the team was um, Puck. <laughs> Shaman. I I always he was kickass. Yeah, I was attracted. I love uh, that pouch. To that care. Excuse me. <laughs> that <laughs> all ages show. Remember. Yeah, uh, the, the the shaman character. He he always attracted me for some reason. Uh, and then later on, his daughter, Talisman. Yes, yes, excellent stuff. Love that series. The only the only thing I did not like about Alpha Flight was how cheesy the master was. I couldn't buy him as a villain. I couldn't. But I, you know what, I really enjoyed about Alpha Flight were in the first half a dozen or so issues the backup stories the origins of the main characters right. and that that that, we, that that didn't get together until like issue 10 or 11 or 12 kind of reminds you of a currently published numerically titled comic doesn't it a little bit 
little bit. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I have uh, a lot of love for the work of John Byrne. Um, and it was one of those times where, you know, you can't deny the man's talent. Say what you will about his personality or his, the way he uh, tends to flap his mouth when he shouldn't, I guess, you know, about topics mm-hmm. that really shouldn't be affecting him but I mean everyone has an opinion and he's entitled to it but uh, yeah I I, I like the man's art and um, I will say the uh, first issue of the Atom that recently came out that double page spread with the uh, Justice League uh, in shackles that was pretty sweet very I I haven't seen that image okay pretty sweet stuff Um, but yeah John Byrne one of the greats and for me, you know what, I his his Marvel work early on, like before Spider Man uh is a chapter one, which which I didn't read and apparently it's no great shakes that I didn't. Um but like you said, Alpha Flight to me was John Byrne uh it was it was Fantastic Four because I it was Fantastic Four up until a couple of months before he left to go work on, you know, some other big name, I don't know, guy in a red cape, big blue boy scout. Um his his Fantastic Four work, even even when um, even when there were some low points like um, uh, is it the um, oh crud the uh, need a crutch uh, the um, <laughs> the guy who uh, can futz around with uh, your emotions not uh, he's the oh man Psycho Man. Is that is that really his name? Because I was drawing a blank. I don't know. It, it can't be that cheesy. Yeah, I think it's uh, the guy with the uh, orange face, green armor. Yeah, ha- and ha- has Kirby esque. Yeah, well, Jet, everything's Kirby esque. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Sorry. he has that um, little uh, device that he carries around that says yes. "Love, Hate." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's Psycho Man, isn't it? Okay, it it, it probably you know what, and it pre- I think you're right because that's who I was going to say, but I'm like, no, that that's just cheesy. Um, and and when Reed and Sue moved to Connecticut to become like a family, and even oh, one of my favorites was uh, Reed Richards pleading Otto Octavius for help because Sue may die while giving birth to their second child, and and Doctor Octopus's arms fight Reed. I mean, it sounds corny, but they he. It, you even 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 Bruce Banner was enlisted to help to make sure that everybody was gonna come out of this childbirth alive and it was it 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 was it was a really good story. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the Mask of Doom, I enjoyed the Trial of Galactus and Trial of Reed Richards. Um yeah. it I enjoyed John Burns run on the Fantastic Four and, and yeah his his uh his his work when I was growing up in the eighties reading Marvel, that's that's the John Byrne that I love. I, 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 the John Byrne of, of recent years, not as much, but uh, but you're right. There is no denying the man. The man can work. The man can put out good stuff. The man can put out great stuff. Um, but uh, you know, you don't have to agree with his politics. He, he might piss you off with a lot of what he says, but. Uh, but it's it's what he puts on the page that if you buy those twenty two pages month in month out that that's what matters and he uh, he, he does good work. 
when he when when he does, he does really good work. I I agree. I have to mirror your uh, sentiments about the Fantastic Four. Uh, I think Burns' run is uh, the second greatest run on that title, naturally. Okay. Uh, okay. Just fantastic work. And for me, the highlight of that was the Surfer Terax. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then Doom mixed in. Yep. Uh, you have the Surfer and Terax going at it, and you throw Doom in, that's, you know, I can't see how you would stumble. But the art, the the story was great. And I'm, I'm not, you know... Uh, above admitting that when Sue lost the baby, you know that I I was hurting. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He he, excellent job. Uh, okay, Bill Mantlo. Um, I'd have to say serviceable. Okay. Uh, his work, while solid, never really. Kick me in the ass, you know. Um, if I can walk away from a comic and remember it uh, years and years later, then you know that work to me is a sign of you know there's something there that's going to stick with me. Maybe I have demeritis, I don't know, but um, it. He, I mean, he's to tell you the truth. If you grilled me right now and said name four titles that Bill Mantlo worked on. Uh, you, the, the well, guy. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll say name three. I'm, I'm not. I'm not able to do it because he he hasn't really. Uh, now, if okay. you if you tell me, I'll say, oh yeah, I remember that period. But okay, the, the, you know, the, the name doesn't doesn't stick with me. Very. You know, I, I remember reading his work, and there's no denying I enjoyed it. But well, uh, we already mentioned one 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 of the books. He. Uh, and it ties into the previous creator. He worked on the Hulk and then switched places with John Byrne. Byrne took over the Hulk. He took over Alpha Flight. Right, right. See, and Mike Mignola was on the artwork. Right. And I, and I remember Mignola's art from that period. But as far as the story goes, yeah, you know, uh, it it's, hasn't made a, a huge impact on me. Okay. Which you know may be a product of getting old. I don't know, but uh, I don't even think, to be honest. Well, no, with you're you. right. I don't know if there was any any. You know, I mean, like you could say that there was a. Um, you know, Claremont had his run. You had you, you you had people with with good runs, and I don't know if if Matt Lowell ever had that story or that character where you're like oh you know that Roger Stern John Byrne Captain America story you know or, or you know, no one I don't know anybody who can say and I'd love to find him I, I'd love for someone to tell me no this is the definitive Bill Mantlo story and please tell me what it is I will read it I'll be more than happy to read it because I think he he's he was writing comics for a long time when I was reading them and you know I'm an idiot I am. Why, is, why well, is that? Rom. I'm sorry. See, I was thinking Micronauts. I forgot about yeah, Rom. Yeah, Rom. Rom is one of my favorite books. But then again, the the, the Matlow name doesn't stick for some reason. I re- no, Sal Bushima's does. Oh, of course. And Aiken and Garvey on inks. Right. That Absolutely. I, I remember that as if it was yesterday. But Matlow, I, maybe, uh, that, maybe it's just me. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Rom. 
And okay. I, I did you put that in there for me to say Rom? Because Rom's one of my favorite Marvel titles. Yeah. And and the fact that I don't remember <laughs> who, who wrote it says a hell of a lot more about me. So <laughs> that's okay. Well, you know, but yeah, but it's Rom. Um, Back up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tom Wozniakowski. Wow. You, you you're throwing curveballs at me. I gotta keep you on your toes. I do not know. I'll 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 cut in. I do not know a more precise, a more clean, a more. There's only one other professional that I can tell when he letters a book, and that's Bob Lapin. But Tom Wozniakowski lettering X Men, Uncanny X Men, for so long was such. There was such consistency there. I could always tell when Norris was 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 lettering a comic book. Right. See, um, the name that instantly pops into my mind when I think lettering is John Workman. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's a force to be reckoned with. But uh, again, lettering, you know, serviceable. Um, unless it's, as long as you can read it, you have to. Uh, no, I mean, you know, uh, I am a closet uh, elitist a bit, but <laughs> um, John Workman has a has a instantly recognizable style. And if you're working with letters, um, you don't have much to work with. That's true. Yeah, and if if you can actually, yeah, if people can look at that and go, oh, I know who's lettering this, then, then you're, I think, you're doing something right. I mean, you're, all you're doing is you're lettering a comic book. I mean, all people have to do is read it. As long as all the letters are lined up right and they make the right words, you know, anybody should be happy with it. But I mean, if if your work stands out, then I think I think something is right. I don't think you're detracting from the story. I don't think you're doing anything wrong at all. Right. Um. And then um, our buddy Howard Shakens. Uh, right, oh, right hand man, Ken Brusenac. Yes, uh, that's another name that just you know. I think lettering. I think Workman, Brusenac, um, Todd Klein. Yeah, yeah, right. Jock Stanza. Dash <laughs> it out now. I'm going to go on this. Uh, this can't stand you. I'm going to go on this lettering uh, face. So I'll have to move along. Uh, Christopher Priest. Who? Or I'm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about Jim Owsley? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know I'm trying to mix it up here a little bit, uh, keep okay, it interesting. Right, uh, well, then fine. Uh, after you say, after you answer, Priest, I'll come back with Jim Owsley. Okay, um, Bla- Bla- Black Panther. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, very enjoyable run on a character. Other than who uh, I had really no attachment to, other than Kirby's run. Okay. You know, but uh, okay. made me uh, appreciate and admire the character to a certain degree, and his talent with that uh, run, uh, the enemy of the state uh, storyline. Just, uh, I think Black Panther is his run on Black Panther is. Marvel's answer to James Robinson's Starman. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It, it has that vibe to it, that um, very inventive, very uh, much concerned with what has come before. You know, um, exciting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would I would say it's Marvel Starman. High praise indeed. Yeah, okay. you betcha. See, when I, when I hear Christopher Priest, and I, I love the man's work under the Priest name, but when I hear Priest, I think of Jim Owsley, and therefore I think of Power Man and Iron Fist, I think of the editor of Amazing Spider-Man, I think of the person whose name is next, uh, his, uh, his protege and assistant editor, um, and yeah, I've, the, a lot of the books I was reading, he had a hand in either as an editor or as a writer, and at the time, it wasn't until the past few years or recently that I found out that A, they were the same person, but, but two, that I, um, he, he he worked on a lot of the books that I enjoyed reading when I was growing up. And so if you were in in Marvel and the ground floor and you were reading all the, the, the Stan and Jack books or the Stan and, and John Romita senior books or just, you know, or, or you were there for Roy Thomas working on Fantastic Four or Avengers, when I was there to read all these Christopher Priest stories, that that was a good time for me with Marvel. So I... I I have nothing but uh but but a lot of respect for the man. Yeah. And speaking of his mentor, Larry Hama. Mm. GI Joe. That's what I was just going to say too. Yeah. Uh, again, you y- you can't separate the two. Although he had a decent run on Wolverine. Oh yeah. Yeah. But um back to GI Joe a little bit. Um didn't like the cartoon at all. Wasn't interested in the fact that these guys, you know, were uh, servicemen or uh, Cobra never really did anything for me as far as the cartoon goes. I didn't. I just didn't like the cartoon. But there was something about the book, as written by Hama, that I kept buying it. You yeah. know, it, it was one of those titles that I, I, I never had the. Uh, the gumption to drop I just stuck with it and I, I enjoyed it and every issue gave me you know something to to appreciate and uh, a little bit of mix of action and uh, pretty damn good characterization too so yeah that's cool yeah see I I, um, I associate all the artists he worked with or that worked with him on G.I. Joe. I mean, you, you had Herb Trimpey to start, but then you had Mike Vosberg, uh, Russ Heath did an issue, but, and then you had um, Rod Wingham later on. And he, he that G.I. Joe had a had a nice run of, uh, of some pretty decent artists. I don't think it was a, um, I don't think it was a, it was a book or a, um, or a job. I mean, the Marvel artist might not have been thrilled with getting a licensed property to work on, but, um, the book sold, so I, I, I'd imagine that uh, that it paid pretty well. Mm-hmm. And um, and what's becoming, and, and what may be a little known fact, although these days with the internet being what it is, maybe not. Larry Hammer wrote all of the um, secret files or the files cards that were on the back of all the blister packs of the GI Joe figures. Really? Yes. And um, he had a decent run on Avengers. If I remember correctly, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah. But I'm going to have to find out. That'd be pretty neat. I'd like to read that. Yeah. Uh, around um, 89, 
I think. 1989. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, no, because I was like, well, yeah, she was even born. But okay, all right, I'll have to. Uh, yeah. Okay, I got to find that out. Oh, and uh, um, he was associated with uh, the Nam too, right? Yes. Yeah, that was his baby with Michael Golden artwork, and that was my next name on the list. Michael Golden. Yes. Oh man, how do you how do you even begin? <laughs> Bucky O'Hare. <laughs> That's not a Marvel comic. Um, um, see, and, and the Micronauts. Yes, uh, I will hate. I, I will say hatred, because no one person should be that talented. You know what? You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. No, I, I don't. I mean, no one person should be that talented. But not, not, not about, not about the hatred. I mean, he. No. He's he's another one. No, with the women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his his marionette. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Move right along. We 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 need a a, a beep, you know, a button I can hit to just <laughs> so I don't have to go back and add them in later. Um, yeah. Um, Commander Ran and the Micronauts and uh, a Croyer. Croyer. Yeah. That that issue with the lawnmower. Oh, that was great. Oh, I uh, again one of the Marvel artists that had a, had a, had a big 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 impact on me. Um, it, it seemed that everything he touched had that. Uh, he could turn uh, poop into gold. His right. his Punisher covers are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the man is just a god. And Bucky oh. O'Hare was pretty good too. I believe it. Yeah, I believe I saw it on the shelf. I never. I I, I don't know. It's. I think. I think Captain Carrot was my. Uh, was 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 my funny animal comic for oh, you, for, the, for the time? I I don't think you want to put Bucky O'Hare and Captain Carrot together. No, I'm sure I don't. <laughs> that would get kind uh, of a <laughs> <laughs> little bit messy. <laughs> oh man! Uh, I, I I got a million of them. Stay I tuned. Guess you do. oh, <laughs> don't go away. You got any more? Uh, Steve Englehart. Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, so. Avengers. You know, very competent. He 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 did did a great job. Um, you know, with 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 what he could do. But uh, like, I, I guess with Bill Mantlo, I don't know if anything really stands out. Yeah. How about drama? He had a way of um, working with relationships, especially the Vision and the Scarlet Witch. That, uh, as far as being um, a male comic book reader. Not the first thing you pick up the Avengers for, but uh, made it work, I think. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Paul Smith. Uh, let's see. See, if I take too long, it's it's going against the rules of the game. Um, Wolverine. That's nice. Yeah. That's 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 a nice answer, and and for me. It's Scott Slim Summers. There are so few artists that actually draws Cyclops skinny. His nickname is Slim, not steroids. He's he's supposed to be this skinny, not big and brawny, broad-shouldered character. And Paul Smith, especially that cover where Cyclops is carrying Professor X and the X-Men are in the background all forlorn, he's skinny. He's a skinny guy, and Paul Smith drew a kick-ass Cyclops, and I will agree with your Wolverine. 
this Wolverine was 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 great. Um, uh, to a little bit of a, an addendum, his brood. Ugh. The 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 way he um, did he design the brood? I thought that was a Cockrum thing. Yeah. Okay. Right. But you're right. Yeah. But uh, Paul Smith's brood, I think, pretty much kicked uh, Cockrum's in the ass. Because he he uh, replaced Cockrum on X Men, and yes. and I I believe there was a second round of the brood during his um. And who, who turned into uh, who was turning into one of them on the cover? Was it Wolverine? Was yeah. it Storm? No, it was Wolverine, buddy. Okay. That's why that that cover's iconic. Very cool. On his knees in pain, yep. claws extended. Yeah. yeah, great stuff. And um. How about leave it to chance too? And that's that's a book that's on my gotta get list. Yeah, I, 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 I more for Smith than Robinson, but it's but you know the two of them together, I guess you can't do too bad. Yeah, um, consummate draftsman, very good with a line. Oh God, yeah, yeah. His, his, uh, his, um, I, I believe he has an animation background. Or that—that's where you know he was getting most of his. You know, that's where he was getting paid. Comics, I guess, may have been a side gig. I'm—I'm not a hundred percent sure, but uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Definitely, you can definitely. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But I mean, you can definitely see his um, his animation skills in in those X Men pages. Mm-hmm. He's, and he's gold. gold. He's gold. <laughs> gold, Jerry. <laughs> Last but not least, Mark Grunwald. Cap Wolf. <laughs> For me, it's Squadron Supreme. You know, this may be considered blasphemous, but Squadron Supreme did not do anything for me. I don't see, and I didn't. I didn't read. I didn't get all the issues of the mini. I started the mini late, and then I I missed an issue or two. So the mini didn't. The, the Squadron Supreme did not stick with me. Initially, it's when I went. It's when I ended up getting all the issues, and I was able to go back and read it sometime later. That I really, really enjoyed it. But at the time, um, I don't think it was wowing me the way it either should have or was wowing other people. But right. I, I, I can, I can see, you know, it not, uh, it not knocking your socks. Yeah, I think you're missing his greatest work, a uh, a comic that you actually bought an issue uh, for me in in uh, Chicago. Then obviously I haven't gotten to it yet. DP7. Oh, no, wait a minute. You got me Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. Yes, I did. <laughs> it's kind of yes, hard. <laughs> it's kind of hard to separate the two. But yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, DP7. I think that was one of the more enjoyable uh, New Universe books. With Paul Ryan Art. Yeah. It looked nice, too. Yeah. The whole, See, I, I, um, the whole New Universe is a blur. Well, and uh, actually, do you know who's doing the art with uh, on on Warren Ellis's uh, New Universal? You know, I heard the name, but you're gonna have to give me a little crash course. La Roca. Oh, really? Yep. I'm in. I believe it. Oh, is it is it in the November solicitations? No, it's not. Okay, they're um. Marvel.com is, I think, doing a page a day, and I think they started yesterday. I think they, I don't know if they're consecutive pages, but they, uh, I'll, um, I will post the link. 
on the website and uh, that will um, let everybody get to a page a day and um, since I didn't visit it today I don't know if there's an archive to go back to previous days but it is it's uh, and, and I'm going to be real silly if, if I'm wrong but uh, but I do believe it's it's Mr. Salvador La Roca who's doing the art on there yeah so okay so I guess I did have uh Okay, I mean, my, my list wasn't as, as, as grand as yours, but I, I guess I was able to come up with a couple of names on the fly. Right. And, and actually, I'm, I, I'd like to throw these names up on the forum and see what other people, what, the, what, what, what pops into their head when they, uh, when they see a Paul Smith or, a, or an Alan Davis right. or an Alfred Alcala. Well, tell them where to go, buddy. That'd be uh, bullpen bulletinspodcast.com and if you uh, click on the form link you'll get taken right to the forms all you have to do is uh, you can sign up on the main page and uh, and you are you'll be golden right and uh, something else that's going on on the forum we are opening up our bumpers for our well let me rephrase that <laughs> we, <Yeah. laughs> we are offering our listeners a chance to participate in the show by uh, recording something for use in our bumpers now how we're going to do this is two ways you can either jump on Skype and we'll record you from there or you can send us an audio recording and we'll be more than happy to, to stick it in again I should have rephrased that but um, jump on the forum. There's a thread called Skype Me. Drop your username on there and the times at which you can be contacted. And uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, we want everybody to be a part of the show. We want everybody to contribute in some way. So uh, this is your chance. If you have some, you know, and it doesn't matter what you talk about. You know, it, could, it, it doesn't even have to be about comics. As uh, you'll hear in this episode, a lot of people... Um, just uh, took the ball and ran with it, and that's a good thing. We want—it's uh, the personality we care about, not so much the uh, the content. So, uh, jump on there, and we'll do you proud. Or, or die trying. Yep. Well, what do you say, brother? You want to wrap this sucker up? I believe uh, I believe this episode is uh, getting—it's—it's it's about ready to bet in the can. Yeah. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to this uh, initial effort. I hope we uh, didn't embarrass ourselves. And if we did, you know, tough shit, uh, jump on the forum. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us anything you want. Just uh, make your comments heard. Or read. Yeah, we're easy. That's true. Well, yeah. you are. I, you know, expect a little bit more. Which, you know, reminds me, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. i got to get this rash checked out. <laughs> like the jelly finger again? I love him. Nice, <laughs> nice big thick fingers. The guys are nice. Ooh, baby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> so uh, thank you from uh, Vince B. And from David. And uh, join us on our next episode. Bye. Bye-bye.